following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Uh, ready for some Philippians this morning? Ready to get to work? Okay, good. Time to lean in, time to engage, time to get the Bible out, uh, if you've got it or on your device. Uh, Gary Marshall is going to come read the passage for us this morning. Thank you, brother. Hey, well, you've got some supporters. Do you want me to hold this one? Oh, we've got the new, it's the new King James Version. It's right. the translation Jesus himself used here. Yeah? <laughs> it's, it's about that old, isn't it, your Bible? It's about as old as me. <laughs> you know, the older I get and the more I read the Scriptures, I find that the Scriptures are beginning to read me, hmm. and that changes me. Paul goes on here in Philippians 3, 12, verse 12. <clears throat> Not that I have already obtained it or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting those things behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already arrived, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, those who set their mind on earthly things. We are not of this world, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able, even to subdue all things to himself. Amen. Thank you, Gary. If, <laughs> if you noticed a difference between the words Gary read and the words that were on screen, he was reading from the Bible. Just, just, so, just a different translation. That was the NIV. He's reading from the New King James. Different translations of the Bible. That's a good thing. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, we had our school athletics day. Every year, once a year, athletics day, and we all went over to the, some North Harbour Stadium somewhere and competed in all these track and field events, and the rule was that everybody had to enter at least one event. And uh, I'm not particularly athletic, believe it or not, uh, but I had to try and figure out what I was going to do, and all of my friends decided that we were going to enter the 1500 metres. Um, I don't know why we chose the 1500 metres, it was a bad choice looking back on it, but um, we, we decided that we would, sort of safety in numbers, you know, we'd run together and we'd run slowly and it, no, no one would be, would be spotlighted. So we all signed up for the 1500 metres. Well the day came and uh, there we were at, at the field enjoying ourselves, the race was scheduled for one o'clock and at about 12 o'clock my friends decided that they wanted to go and get lunch. There was a McDonald's. Uh, just down the hill from where we were, 
Um, but the rule was you couldn't, you couldn't leave the premises. You weren't allowed to go outside. But my friends didn't care. They were going to go. Um, being, being the very upstanding student that I was, I said, no, I'm not going to join you in this act of rebellion. But, um, but if you are going, could you bring me back a quarter pounder? <laughs> so they, they agreed to that, and off they went. While I waited for the race to be called, uh, we got to 10 to 1, and my friends weren't back. Uh, 5 to 1, no sign of them. And then the race got called you know, over the loudspeaker, runners for the 1,500 metres, report to the start line. So I had to go down there. Um, and I'm, I'm on the start line there with all these other people I didn't know. People are stretching. I didn't even know what to do. You know, I didn't know how to stretch for a race. So I was just making stuff up, <laughs> desperately hoping my friends would come back in time, but there's no sign of them. So they lined us all up, and the starting gun goes off. And I just ran for it. I just sprinted for my life. I had no comprehension of how to actually run middle distance. So I just bolted with everything in me. And the first lap was great. Like I was on fire. I thought, I'm going to win this thing. This is awesome. I think I was leading the pack after the first lap. And then the second lap came around and the body started to die. And, and by the third lap, my legs were just jelly, my vision's getting all blurry, I was just in a world of pain. And as I came around the final corner, I remember coming to the final straight, could see the finish line, and my friends had arrived back by this stage. And they'd all lined up along the inside of the track, and I was running on the inside lane. And so they lined up along the inside of the track, and as I got closer to them, I realized that one of them was holding out across the track this yellow shiny object, which was my quarter pounder. And as I ran past, I don't know what I was thinking, but I reached out my hand, maybe I thought I was running a relay. I, I reached out my hand and grabbed this quarter pounder from my friend. And everyone in the stands was laughing at me and I sort of turned around to hold this quarter pounder aloft in this hero pose. And as I turned, the center of gravity in my body shifted and I felt myself falling. You know, you try to recover, stumbled a few steps, and then I just went down. Just went down so hard and sprawled everywhere, all over the track, arms and legs. And my quarter pounder was just sprawled across the whole track. It's like meat, cheese, bun, lettuce, the whole thing. And any other runner that was behind me just overtook me, finished the race, and I just came dead last. That was my running career. Over, just like that. So I gave up my hopes of Olympic running after that. And uh, that was a pretty sad day for me. So I want to talk to you about a race, a different kind of race this morning, thankfully, to the one that, that I ran. But I want you to think about this image of running a race, okay? A much better kind of race than the type of race that I ran. I'm the example of how not to run. But Paul, in this passage, talks to us about how we can run and about what it means to run well. And he uses all of this image in this passage which draws on the image of an athletic race. There's several words that, that he uses, and it's very clear. Paul, as he's writing this, he's got this image, he's got this picture of a race in his mind. Uh, and that would have been very familiar to his readers, to his hearers, because the Olympic Games were going at the time. You know, the Olympic Games are thousands of years old, and in the first century, every few years, they had the Games in Olympia, uh, which was not far from, well, it was a little way, but it was the same part of the world as Philippi, just a bit, bit further south in, in Greece. And so the Philippians, they would have known about the races. They would have known about the games. They might have gone to the game. They might have visited Olympia and seen the athletes. 
and visited and, and been caught up in all of the spectacle of the great sports and the great events that were going on. So when Paul starts talking about this race, they would have been right on the page with where he was coming from. And this race that Paul is describing, of course, is the race of our Christian lives, the race of our, of our faith, that every one of us who is a follower of Jesus, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, right now, you're in a race. You might not realize that because you're here sitting in church this morning. But metaphorically, you are right now on the track and you're in a race. And the day that you became a Christian or around the time that you became a Christian, the starting gun went off. And we sometimes think that when we became a Christian, that was kind of the finish line. You know, we get, get over the line and now we're done. Good, I'm in. But when you became a follower of Jesus, when you decided to give your life to Jesus, that was the starting gun in this race. That was the beginning of this race. And now you are on the track and you are running or not running or dawdling or walking or going backwards or whatever you're doing, but you're in the race and moving towards, hopefully, moving towards the finish line to win the prize. So we need to understand what this race is all about. We need to know the nature of this race. We need to know what the goal is. And there's no point running a race if you don't know where the finish line is. We need to know what the prize is. And we need to understand how to run well. That's what Paul's going to talk to us about in this passage. So have a look at verse 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. The word goal, that was the word for the finish line of the race. It was an athletic term, the goal. It's the end. If you're a runner in a race, those of you that are athletes, you know this, you fix your eyes on that finish line. That's it. You've got just myopic vision of that finish line. That is the target. You are not allowing yourself to be distracted by anything around you. You are running with crystal clarity towards that finish line, towards that goal. That's what Paul's saying. I'm pressing on towards the goal. And what is the goal for us? The goal is Christ-likeness. The goal is that we are living into the fullness of the life of Jesus. You know, Paul talked about this last week, that I want to know Christ, he said. You remember this? the power of his resurrection, becoming like him in his death, conformed to Jesus. That's the fullness of the life of Jesus. That's the race we're running. Uh, the theological term is sanctification. It's the process through our Christian lives of being conformed to the image of the Son, being conformed to the image of Jesus uh, in, in every dimension of our being, growing deeper in the grace of God, growing deeper into the love of appreciating the love of Jesus, growing deeper in our relationship with Jesus, experiencing more of the presence and the power of Jesus and His Spirit in our lives, growing in the character of Jesus as the Holy Spirit works on the inclinations and the deep habits and the thought patterns and the speech patterns and the actions of our lives, growing daily by the power of the Holy Spirit into the character and the likeness of Jesus, a little more and a little more day by day. That's sanctification. And that's the race. That's the goal. The goal is Christ-likeness. And Paul's saying, I'm not there yet. He hasn't reached it. He hasn't reached the goal. He said, but I, but I press on. Every day I'm pressing on a little bit more toward that goal. And here's the thing about this race, which is fundamental. He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, that's an interesting turn of phrase. To take hold of Another athletic term, like, a, like a, an athlete taking hold of the prize. Think of it that way, like an athlete grasping that trophy. Taking, it, would have been a, it would have been a laurel wreath 
taking hold of that wreath and, and lifting it aloft. That's the idea of taking hold of the prize. But Paul says, I take hold, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So now what we learn is that Jesus is in this race. So, you, you know, this is not just me running now. Somehow Jesus is involved here. And not only that, Jesus has already taken hold of the prize. He's already taken hold of something. Now, this is so fundamental. If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this. Jesus has already run this race for you. Until we understand this, we will get nowhere in our race. Or we will become burned out and depressed really quickly. We need to understand, long before we ran this race, or were called into this race, Jesus ran it for us. And He ran that race perfectly, and He ran that race with obedience to the Father, every single step. And He ran it in faithfulness, and He ran it in righteousness, and He ran it all the way to the cross, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus has run this race for you, and He's gone ahead of you, and He's already crossed the finish line, won the race. He is the victor. He's already stood on the podium, and He's already received the victor's crown, which is to be declared the righteous one, the holy one. So Jesus has already taken hold of that. And here's the beauty, is that Jesus now takes that victor's crown and he gives it to you. And he says, that, that righteousness that I have won, that race that I've won, everything that I put into running that race, I'm now bestowing it upon you. I'm taking my righteousness, taking that crown, putting it upon you. I'm taking that holiness, putting it upon you. Not that we deserve it, you don't deserve an inch of it. But he places it upon you as a gift. He says, I'm taking my obedience and I'm giving it to you as a gift. My faithfulness to you as a gift. Is that exciting? This is such good news. That Jesus gives us this gift of his victory for us. So before we talk about how we run this race, you need to know Jesus has run it for you and he's already given you the prize which is righteousness and holiness before God. You're already approved of by God. You're already loved by God. And you're already accepted by God because of the race that Jesus won for you. It's like you're already standing up there on the podium with Jesus. Now, that should rescue you from just trying to run this race in your own strength and figure it out yourself. Because a lot of you feel like you're just on this treadmill and you're just running and running and running and you're not getting anywhere. I remember a young woman came up to me after I preached once and just said, with tears in her eyes, she said, I, I just don't ever feel like I can do enough to please God. It's just the cry of a broken heart to say, I don't ever feel like I can do enough to please God. And she, she led her life feeling like she was a colossal disappointment to God. There's someone who has not yet grasped that reality that Jesus has run the race for you. He's won it for you and he's given you the victor's crown. So yes, we are called into this race, but only on the basis of Jesus already having won the prize. And that rescues us from self-righteousness and just self-effort and trying and trying and trying to do something in our own strength. So it raises the question, of course, why, why do we bother running then if Jesus has already run it? You know, if Jesus has won the race, why, why am I even, even running this race? Well, the answer comes down in verse uh, 16 where Paul says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. So what we have attained is righteousness. 
We've already attained this victory. And now Paul says, I want you to live up to it. I want you to live out that reality of what God has done for you. We've already been approved of by God, and now we're called to live that out in our life through pursuing the character of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've already attained righteousness, and now God says, now I want you to pursue righteousness in your life and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've already received holiness before God, and now God says, now I want you to pursue holiness in your life in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's sanctification. It is expressing what God has already done in our hearts. Another way of putting this, it is becoming who we already are. Now, that's a paradox, but can you, hear, can you hear that truth? Becoming who we already are. You are already righteous. You are already holy. You are already pure before God. You are, you are standing in that, but our calling is now to become in reality who we have already been made to be in Christ and to outwork in our lives the righteousness that God has already given us by faith. That's the gift of sanctification. You have to have both parts. You cannot pursue this without already knowing that you stand in it. Or else it is just self-effort and at worst self-righteousness. It's another form of pride. So begin with that foundation. Begin and end with that foundation. Jesus has run this race for me, but we are called to live this out. And so now we run with Jesus. You think of him running beside you and, and ahead of you and behind you and supporting you every single step of the way. But we are still called to run. So how do we run this race, says Paul? Uh, have a look in uh, verse, into verse 13. He says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Just those two phrases. Think about that for a minute. Forgetting what is behind. Sometimes we're running this race. We're trying to run, but we've got chains tied around our ankles and a big metal ball that is dragging us back. Some of you feel like that? Like you're in this race, but there's something that's just preventing you from running with the, with the kind of capacity that God wants you to have. And there's something there back in your past that is holding you back. Some of you have gone through real trauma back in your past. Some of you have gone through real hurt and real pain. And now what is happening is that pain is defining you and it's holding you back now from the life that God wants you to live. And that pain is real and that trauma is not something to be diminished. But some of you have not faced that and some of you have not allowed God into that space. And some of you have not allowed God to begin taking you on that healing journey. And so you just continue to become defined by your past. And you just continue to let it influence your future. And I think for some of you today, God would say, I want you to begin forgetting what is behind. That the pain will be there. I'm not saying those wounds and scars will not be carried with you. But I think God would say to you, I want you to allow me into that space. Because I want to start freeing you from some things. I want to start bringing my healing power into some areas of your past that are going to start to set you free so you can run this race well. Because some of you are so trapped in the past. You're so bound up and enslaved by what has happened to you. Maybe yesterday, maybe five decades ago, but your past is, is holding you back. And God is saying, that's not the life I created you to live. I created you for freedom. And I want to begin a journey of healing you from your past, the pain of your past. Sometimes, for some of you, I think the past, forgetting the past just means you look back and you see over the last few years a whole lot of mediocrity 
in your spiritual life and just a whole lot of lukewarm faith. Can you relate to this? And the problem is, when you haven't seen growth, then that just becomes self-perpetuating, and then you don't see growth in the future because you feel like, oh, well, I'm, I'm nowhere with God. I haven't been living for God. I haven't been walking with God. I've been milling around. I've been in the wilderness for so long, so what's going to change now? What's honestly different about today? That's the voice of the evil one. And as long as he can keep that lie in your head that today will be no different to yesterday, the future will be no different to the past, you know what he's done. He's just kept you. So you've just become like me on that racetrack, just walking around, not focusing, distracted by everything that's going on in life. But God's word tells us we are to forget what is behind, forget that mediocrity in your past. You may have gone nowhere in your spiritual journey for years and years and even decades, but that does not mean that today cannot be a new day. Because what does the scripture say? His compassions never fail. They are new, how often? Every decade. No. Every morning. Every hour, aren't they? Every minute, in my case. (laughs) We need new mercies every minute. We can be so bound up, even, even just by what happened yesterday, right? So you had a bad day yesterday. You didn't walk with God yesterday. You were a spiritual mess yesterday. So then what happens when you get to this morning? Oh, well, it's a bit hopeless. Uh, yesterday was a write-off. Today's not going to be much better. And we just get bound up by what happened yesterday. You've got to come back to that promise in Lamentations 3. His mercies are new every morning. Today is a new day. God has fresh mercies for you today. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. doesn't matter how bad it was. Frankly, it doesn't matter how good it was either. But God's mercies are new for you today. And he says, you take my hand today and walk with me and let's move forward. Forgetting what is behind. Don't be bound up by your past. Don't be defined by it and don't let that hold you back. Ask God to free you from that. Imagine if Paul was defined by his past. My goodness, what a past. Now, if he, if he allowed that to define his future, we would not have a book called Philippians in our Bible. We wouldn't have half of the New Testament in our Bible because he never would have written it. But Paul was able to receive the grace of God afresh in his life and say, I'm forgetting the past. Yes, he could still talk about his past. It's not like those memories are gone. But he's no longer letting that being his defining reality, moving forward by the grace of God, the limitless grace of God. Some of you, I think that just needs to sink in today. God's grace is there for you today. Now, what about yesterday? Today. So forgetting what is behind, and then what's the next phrase? Straining towards what is ahead. That, you know the image of that straining towards what is ahead? Just try and picture this in your mind. You've seen that photo finish of runners in the Olympics, you know, right on the finish line. And what do they do? What do they do on the finish line? Come on, let's all do it together. There we go. Yeah, you look really weird. Yeah. Leaning forward, don't they? They lean, get the head forward because they know if they can just get a millimeter, just a millimeter, just that advantage, you know, that might be the race. That might be the difference between first and second, second and third, third and fourth. So that, that's straining towards what is ahead. And Paul picks up that word and says, now I want you to think about that in terms of your faith. This is what we're called to do, is to strain towards what is ahead. I know it sounds uncomfortable because it sounds like, oh, hang on, is this works? Is this legalism? Is this self-righteousness? No, come back to Jesus. He's already run this race. And we only do this in the power of the Spirit that God pours into our lives. But even so, this will take our effort. The Bible never shies away from telling us that. Paul says this several times, make every effort. 
Dallas Willard says, God is not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. If you're doing any of this to earn your salvation, you're dead in the water. But does our sanctification require our effort? Yes. Does being patient with my children take effort? Yes. You better believe it. If I just expected the Holy Spirit to zap me into patience, I'm sunk. But I need to take hold of the power of heaven to believe that God can work that fruit in my life. That's a natural process of loving Jesus, but it is also going to take my effort. There's a mystery to this, but this is the race. So straining towards what is ahead. Now, what that means for every single one of us is there is a next step to take. There's a next step. Some of you, I think, are running this race and you've just become lethargic and you've just slowed to a dawdle and you're like me holding that quarter pounder. And today's the day to hear God's word straining towards what is ahead. What's the next step? Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You may be well into your retirement years. Please don't think there is never a next step to take in your faith. Always. God has more for you yet. More of his love to show you. More of his presence to pour out. More of his power to reveal. More of the life of Christ to form within you. You might have been a Christian five minutes or five decades. God's got more to do in you yet. So what does that next step look like for you? Just think about that for a moment. What is that next step? We've all got one. What's the next step of faith for you? I think for me this year, that next step, really simple, it's been around prayer. And you might assume, because I'm a pastor, that I have an awesome prayer life. I'm sorry to disappoint you and let you down, but it won't be the last time I do. Uh, I've, my prayer life has not been what it should have been, and I, I've felt challenged by the Holy Spirit around that this year. Like quite a, quite a serious sense of conviction that I need to pray. And it's just a very simple discipline. But I've, I've found myself praying. And look, I'm still feeling like I'm just starting to grow in this area. But I've found myself praying more. And I've found myself praying for things that I've not been praying for before. I've found myself praying for about the war in Ukraine this year. Like I, I've never been good at praying about global events before. But then the Holy Spirit is doing something in me. And I just find myself praying, not all the time, Another one for me with prayer is when I'm in the car, my default is turn the radio on. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's just nudging me and saying, no, this is time to pray. There's people out there who need the power of prayer right now. And God and his providence has chosen to work in response to prayer. So this to me makes a prayer a real adventure to think that right now God might use me to pray into someone's life who I might not even know and God's working in mysterious ways to work out his will in that situation. So um, again, sometimes I obey this, sometimes I have not, to be honest. But the prompting is there to lean into times of prayer, even when I'm driving somewhere in my car. Now, that's, that's my journey. That's a bit of my journey. But that might not be your next step. The point is, God's got a next step for you. What is it? The Holy Spirit, maybe for some of you even now, just nudging, what is it? Maybe it's something to do with your walk with God, reading scripture maybe, Christ, something to do with Christian community, maybe an area, a rough edge of your character, maybe God's putting his finger on something, just a little rough edge. Maybe there's a fruit of the Spirit, God's saying, hey, in this next season, by my grace, and he's so loving with you, but he'll say, by my grace, we're going to work on that fruit, we're going to bear good fruit in your life. And you know what, what is required when, when the fruit tree is going to bear fruit, right? pruning. It's hard. It's hard because God might be putting his finger on some things that need to go, that need to be reshuffled in your life. He might be putting his finger on some lies that you've been telling yourself or telling other people. 
He might be putting his finger on some idols that need to be destroyed. But lean into that work of the Holy Spirit because it's good work. It's hard work, but it's good, good, rich, deep work. So let him produce that fruit. Now we've shifted metaphors. Now I'm talking about fruit trees. But let's come back to the race. So we're straining towards what is ahead. Please don't hear self-effort and willpower, but hear the Holy Spirit is breathing his life, breathing his, that, that, that wind of his spirit into my life so that I can take another step. And I want you to reflect. I want you to go out of here this morning thinking, what is that next step, God, that you have for me that would call me to strain towards what is ahead? Okay, a couple more things in this passage in, in the context of the race. If we're going to run this race well, we need other good runners around us. Have a look down in verse 17. Paul says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So we need other runners who live as we do. Because here's the contrast in verse 19, that, 18, For as I have often told you before, now I'll tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. I think the NKJ, their, their belly. Their belly is their stomach. No, their belly is their, is their God. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But haven't you found in Philippians that these descriptions of our, our culture and our lives are just as relevant to us today as they were 2,000 years ago? Like that describes so many people in our culture today. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny, sadly, is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Well, that's not just non-Christians, is it? I mean, how many of us would be convicted by that? Their glory is in their shame. We've turned shameful things into glorious things. And their mind is on earthly things. This is the problem is we're, at, we're, we're running this race surrounded by a whole lot of people who are not running the race. So you're working with them and you're living with them and they're in your social circles and God loves everybody, but you are surrounded every day by people running a totally different kind of race to you. They're going, going, going different direction or they're in the stands laughing at you or they're holding out the quarter pounder to try and trip you up, whatever they do, but they're not running your race. And so what happens when we're surrounded by people like that? Well, you do what I did. And you just start, well, you know, you slow down a little bit, wave to mum in the stands, you know, and you don't take this race with the full seriousness that God wants us to take it. What we need are other runners. What I needed in that race was my friends alongside me, giving some focus and clarity to my running. And what we need, if we're going to run well, Paul says, keep your eyes, fix your eyes on those who live as we do. We need some other runners around us. Because when you've got others traveling with you in the same direction, it spurs you on, doesn't it? Some other brothers and sisters that can encourage you in the race. I see this with uh, my son Ezra, who's doing swimming lessons, and he really loves swimming. When he's just in a class with a group, and they're all just kind of mucking around, he doesn't do particularly well. But last term he was in a class, and there was one particular kid who was really competitive. And that kid wanted to try and beat Ezra. Every time. And that kid threw himself into it. And so Ezra just gets this gleam in his eyes. It's like, now the race is on. Now it's game on, man. You want to take me on? I'm going to take you down. And so these little eight-year-olds have this competition in this tiny little swimming pool. But suddenly Ezra comes alive. All of a sudden he's doing his best and his strokes are looking good. And he's, you know, just back and forwards and he's swimming. And what it takes is someone else. Now, I'm not saying it's a competition in our Christian life. I'm not saying we compete with each other. But when you've got someone else spurring you on, it makes a difference, doesn't it? 
you know this, those of you that, that run properly, you know, when you've got someone else, a running partner with you, spurs you on. So have you got those brothers and sisters around you? And if you don't, can you start cultivating those relationships? Can you start building friendships with others who have a commitment to Christ, who are serious about their faith? Can you ask them to encourage you? Can you ask them to pray for you? Could you ask them to hold you accountable to some things in your life? Could you maybe meet with them from time to time? Could you get a little group together? Do whatever you need to do. It doesn't need to be organized by the church. You find those people. You draw them close and you run with them. Encourage and pray and spur one another on. That's how we run well. All right, one final picture to leave you with and then we'll wrap up. If we're going to run well, we need to keep our eyes on the what? Prize. Look at verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies to become like his glorious body. So what Paul is doing there is he's focusing his mind on that day when Jesus returns. And on that day, these broken, lowly bodies that we have, these bodies of weakness, they will be transformed to become like the glorious, resurrected body of Jesus. And we will be raised up anew, and we will be ushered into the new heavens and the new earth, where we will spend eternity in endless adventure and pleasure and, and relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit and one another. Why is that important? Why does Paul bring that in here? Because that's the prize. That's the ultimate prize that we're running towards. Now, again, we're not going to earn it. We don't grab hold of it by our own effort. But that's like the athlete at the end of the race, finally standing on the podium and having that olive wreath placed upon their heads. We look forward to that day because any athlete will tell you as they fix their eyes on the prize, it helps to give focus and clarity to the race in the present. You fix your eyes on that prize when Jesus returns, the glory, the resurrected body, the newness, the eternity, and it will spur your heart. And it will allow the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you a little more as you run that race towards eternity, forgetting what's behind you and striving towards what is ahead because we know what the prize is going to be. And my prayer for you, my brothers and sisters, is that you would get to the end of this life and in your final days, maybe your final moments, if you are blessed to have some reflection in those final moments, that you might be able to say the words that Paul said at the end of his life, not in Philippians, but in 2 Timothy, where he said, I've fought the good fight, and I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Now that was Paul's reflection, knowing he was about to lose his life. That was just before his trial. And that was his reflection. And my heart for you as my church family is that every one of us would be able to say those words with a sincere heart on that day. We, that doesn't mean you're saying, I've been perfect. I've arrived. I've been some saint. No, you're saying, I've kept running this race. I've fought the good fight with the power that God gave me. I have finished the race. In other words, I've finished well. I haven't just tailed off and walked off and walked out of this race and thrown it all away, but I have finished this race and I've run in the power of the Holy Spirit and I have kept the faith. It's my prayer for you. There's too many brothers and sisters that bail out of this race early. There's too many brothers and sisters 
that get a couple of laps into it and then just, that's it. And they either bail out or they end up just running nowhere, going nowhere, and it all stalls to nothing. That is not God's heart for us. He asks us to run well, and he promises us all of his power and the resources of heaven to take another step and another step, pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen? Yes, let's pray. So our Father, we come to you this morning and we, in our mind's eye, we picture that race. It's such a rich image you've given us in the scriptures, God. And, and we just want it to settle. We want it to sink deeply into our hearts now. I pray this would not just be a message in church that we heard one Sunday, but this would be a time and a place, God, where you refocus us again on this race. Lord, those here who have just become distracted from this race, I pray today, God, you'd bring new clarity and fresh vision and fresh passion and focus. God, for those here who have faithfully been running lap after lap, decade after decade, God, would you renew them with the power of heaven. God, for those that have just lost their confidence and have become anxious about this race and have stopped even believing they can take another step, God, would you visit them by your grace today? And would you say to them, Jesus, remind them, you have run this race already You've won it for them. You've stood on the podium. You've given them the victor's crown. And all they need to do is trust and follow you. Jesus, would you breathe a word of encouragement into those who are weary runners today and have lost heart? Would you lift our spirits? Would you lift our eyes up and help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the glory that was set before you endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. God, let us focus on Jesus that we might not grow weary and lose heart. And we pray these things for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.